0: In our last consideration of the question what do we know about the righteousness of God from the Bible, we saw that the righteousness of God is manifested in his establishing a seat of judgment and appointing that every man shall appear there to have his conduct and character evaluated in absolute and perfect fairness. We now proceed in the fourth place to remark that the righteousness of God is manifested in his determination to separate through the endless ages of eternity those who love him from those who are incorrigible man by virtue of his creation has been given an immortal soul it would be entirely unfair to himself and all the happy souls who have repented of sin and have been forgiven and reconciled to God through faith in the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus, to allow those whom God has not been able to persuade to repent because of their persistent rebellion to mar His happiness and their happiness forever. All the unsaved are pictured as holding down the truth in unrighteousness as you read in romans 1:18 for the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness or who hold down the truth in unrighteousness god is pictured as surrounding every moral being with great and profound light and it's only his persistence in evil against the light of his conscience that renders his condition as it is. Sinners are not passively ignorant. The Holy Spirit has been striving with them in a multitude of ways, seeking to induce them to be reconciled to his love, all without avail. The Bible pictures all such as very guilty. Now, since God is no respecter of persons, but is a perfectly righteous moral governor, Only one course is right and proper. There must be an eternal separation. The love of God will cause him to render to every individual his righteous due, no more, no less. God will reward some and punish others, and none shall be able to say that any injustice has been done. Shall God allow the non-compliant rebellion of many to infringe upon the eternal happiness of those who have responded to God's grace, this would certainly not be righteous. Let us consider first some of the passages of Scripture which affirm this eternal separation. It is man himself that determines his destiny, not some sort of secret election on the part of God. In Daniel chapter 12, And verse 2, we read this terse summary of the division of the souls of men in the future era, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Here we have some enjoying the presence of God, and some shut out from the presence of God because of their unresponsiveness to the grace and mercy of God. Our Lord Jesus affirmed that after His humiliation He would come in majesty and glory to bring about this separation according to the conduct of each. And so in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 27 we read, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He shall reward every man according to his works. So we notice it's each individual's works that form the basis of all of God's estimations. In the second chapter of Romans we have a rather extended passage here, verses 2 to 11. Let us consider these words, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgeth them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness, and forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? So we see that sinners have to despise the kindness and mercy of God to persist on in their sinful and selfish ways. And that it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. But if men will not respond to God's goodness, there's nothing more God can do except to confine them where they will not mar the eternal happiness of holy beings and of his great majesty forever. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath, and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to every man according to his deeds to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness indignation and wrath tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile, but glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. Here we see beyond any shadow of a doubt that it is man's conduct and rejection of the grace of God that determines his destiny. It is not God that determines his destiny for him. But God merely reacts to man's reaction to his kind overtures of mercy. In the sixth chapter of Romans, verse 23, we have this summary, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here on the one hand we have eternal death. Death meaning separation. Eternal death is separation from the glorious presence of God. And on the other hand, we have eternal life granted to those who respond to the gospel and continue therein. In the sixth chapter of Galatians, we have a summary of the basis of God's estimation of moral character. Verses 7 and 8, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap, is God's unalterable basis of estimation. In the second epistle to the Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 6 to 10, we have it affirmed that God is righteous in causing this eternal separation, and that it is the persistent disobedience Of those who reject the grace of God and the enlightenment of God that is the basis for all of God's actions seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you so judgment is righteousness according to this text and to you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God And that obey not the gospel of our lord jesus christ who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the lord and from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day so here we have it affirmed the great separation that is to come we notice that the essence of this Punishment is to be separated from the glory of God and be separated from the admiring hosts of heaven who enjoy the very presence and righteousness of God. Oh, what a price men pay for persisting on in their selfish and wicked ways. And so God in his righteousness must extend vengeance if he is going to be the judge of all the earth who shall always do right. In the sixth chapter of Revelation, we read that in the end time, when true Christians shall be persecuted and put to death with such great intensity, they are represented as expecting the righteousness of God to deal out just punishment for those who have so wickedly put them to death. There we read in verse 9. And when he hath opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God, and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? So these martyred saints describe God as holy and true in sending just and proper punishment upon the world of men who have not only rejected the grace of God but gone on violently and persisted on in their evil ways. But We'll read one more passage describing this tremendous separation that is to take place. Revelation chapter 22 and verses 13 to 15, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So God always has the last word. Men sometimes think that he doesn't in the way they treat him. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without her dogs, and sorcerers, and whoremongers, and murderers, and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Of course, the word dogs here is figurative. It relates to moral character, and we notice that the characteristic of all these folk who are so not privileged to know the glory of god because of their persistent rebellion against god we notice that their grand characteristic is that of falseness not recognizing the true greatness and deity and majesty of god and therefore not recognizing their own sin against god and thus not repenting of their sin and coming to the cross of jesus for His kind and merciful forgiveness. But we notice that the other group who are privileged by the grace of God to enjoy the presence of God forever are those who do His commandments. Those who love the Lord, those who have been conquered by the love of God, not those who are slavishly bargaining with God for future salvation on some basis or other. But those who have been conquered by the tender pleadings of the Spirit and by the tender manifestations of the love of Christ through the death of Christ upon the cross, it is these who have been conquered to the point where they are happy to serve the Lord. And indeed, the occupation of heaven is summed up in the word, Happy Christian Service unto God. May we pray. Our Heavenly Father. On the one hand, we see the unhappy destiny of those multitudes who do not respond to thy tender gospel. On the other hand, we see the blessings of those who have responded, have repented of their sin, found forgiveness through faith in Christ. We pray that many more shall respond this day in Jesus' name, amen.